It's the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, and we are live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. And on this edition, we're going to be rounding up all the latest Arsenal transfer news, because, of course, over the weekend and this morning, lots and lots more rumours and stories have emerged. Um, As is always the case with Arsenal during a transfer window, there seems to be so much smoke but are we actually going to see it materialise into anything? (laughs) You know, the longer this goes on, the more you're starting to doubt that. But look, jokes aside, I do think Arsenal are are working tirelessly behind the scenes, it seems, uh, to get some business done. It looks as though Arsenal will be moving a fair few players on as well, which is something that we all knew needed to happen. You know, I think what we can probably say quite safely you know, having kind of assessed how things have gone over the last couple of weeks or what the reports are kind of suggesting. Arsenal have more money to spend this summer than any of us envisaged at the start uh, of this summer. So um, let's see. Let's see what's going to happen. But as I say, we're going to spend this show or the beginning of this show running you through all the latest stories. I'll be sharing my views and thoughts on those stories and then we'll take your questions towards the end of the stream like we always do. Um, Just a quick reminder, if you haven't done so already, please do subscribe to the channel. We're pushing towards 14,000 subscribers on YouTube, and we'd like to get to 15,000 as soon as we possibly can. By the end of the year, I want to get to 15,000. Maybe that's not ambitious enough. I don't know, but we want to get to 15,000 sooner rather than later, basically. Uh, If you haven't liked the video as well, and you are... um, you are watching us on YouTube, please do that because that does help too. And if you're listening via the audio platforms, please do leave us a review because I've noticed over the last few weeks that our podcast has been creeping into some of the uh, the charts in in the sports and football category specifically across a number of different countries. We've seen it uh, creep into that chart. So if you could uh, please uh, leave us a review, that does help that push. Right. uh, Big good morning or good afternoon, I should say. It's gone midday now. Where is my head at today? Uh, To everybody who's joining us live and of course to those who will be watching or listening to this back a little bit later on. But without further ado, let's get in to some of these stories and let's start off with the report coming out with regards to Arsenal's interest in the Benfica left back Nuno Tavares. Now, 21 years old uh, is the player. It's said that he is very, very keen to join Arsenal and that £15 million would do it. £15 million would persuade Benfica to leave the club. Now, obviously, this news comes off the back of Kieran Tierney, uh, you know, just signing a new contract with the Arsenal. So we know that Kieran Tierney signed the five-year contract extension. And I think there's an acceptance among the fan base. I don't know about you guys, but there certainly is in my mind that any left-back that Arsenal sign this summer would be coming in 
as a squad player, would be coming in with a view to providing cover for Kieran Tierney, whose fitness record has been of concern uh, since he joined the club. There's no getting away from that. As much as you love him, as much as you rate him, as much as you um, love his character and, you know, the little quotes that came off of his interview the other day have kind of sent Arsenal fans into this frenzy again of kind of love towards um, towards Kieran Tierney, and rightly so. But we do need somebody to come in and we do need somebody to backfill that position. Now, I just mentioned that Fabrizio Romano reported that £15 million is what it would take for Benfica to allow Nuno Tavares to go. And man like Mo in the chat uh, says he heard it was £8 million. Now, there have been reports of £8 million uh, being enough as well. However, I've looked into both and, and I've come to the decision that the £15 million uh, quotation is probably a little bit more realistic. I'm not saying that I know that for sure, um, but that's the that's the kind of number I'm looking at because, as I say, there have been contradictory reports from different outlets suggesting different amounts of money. Let Nuno Tavares, um, you know, is is quite well thought of in Portugal. Um, I just, you know, for me, eight million doesn't sound enough for them to be kind of willing to to part ways. We're talking about Benfica, and I know that obviously football right across Europe has, has and right across the globe has taken a battering uh, financially off the back of this global pandemic. But uh, Benfica are a powerful football club, and I cannot see them being bullied into selling a player that they see as a really good prospect for eight million pounds. So that's why I've kind of lent towards uh, that other report. Now, Nuno Tavares made 14 appearances in Liga Nosh last season. Uh, not a regular by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, a young player still learning his trade, still coming through, was only named in the starting 11 uh, 21% of the time last season. So he isn't a first teamer necessarily. Um, at Benfica, he is somebody who is is viewed as a player who will come through and will take up that position eventually. But he's not uh, been a you know a real regular all throughout the season, not a regular starter anyway. So you have to bear that in mind. Now, interestingly, he had three absences out uh, last season for Benfica, and we're talking about Kieran and his injury problems. And it's kind of conditioned me into looking at the fitness records of some of the players that we're looking to sign. Now, he picked up a hip injury um, back in November last year. Uh, that hip injury saw him miss 13 days. That was three games. Um, he missed eight days, so three games again through coronavirus, which obviously can't be helped. That's not a reflection of the player's sort of tendency to pick up injuries. And then, of course, he had an ankle injury uh, in April where he missed 10 days and was out for two games. So a couple of absences for Nuno Tavares, but looking at that is nothing really to worry about. And again, I, I apologise if you're, you're not interested in the player's fitness record. But for me, when I'm thinking about somebody coming into the club now, I do take that into consideration because I think we've been burnt by that so many times over the years. And I think other clubs have also felt the effects of signing players who weren't necessarily robust enough, weren't necessarily fit enough, strong enough uh, to to kind of stay um, fit and available in the Premier League, where the physical demands are greater than pretty much anywhere else. But just kind of reading through um, through Football London's report on this and 
They say that he made his debut in the opening stages of the 2019-2020 season. He's made uh, He made 24 appearances in his debut campaign, scoring two goals and registering six assists. So he has... Um, he has got the ability to get forward and impact games in the final third, which is something that obviously uh, Kieran Tierney does too. And when Kieran Tierney's not in the team, we do really, really miss that. So, um, you know, to to have a left back that could come in and provide that kind of threat in the attacking uh, side of the game as well, I think is important. Um, according to Y Scout, he averaged 5.9 dribbles per 90 minutes with a 63% success rate. Uh, meanwhile, he averaged 9.16 defensive duels in a 90-minute period and came out on top 60.6% of the time. Um, so, uh, you know, he looks like a, a defender who is capable of getting forward and impacting games, as I say, in the attacking third, but also he looks quite competent in terms of the defensive side of the game. And listen, you know, we'd love Arsenal to be this all-action swashbuckling team. We've seen under Mikel Arteta that at times we've had to be a little bit more pragmatic. Um, fans have criticised him for that, but I think it's just that's the reality of where we're at as a team. You know, we haven't earned the right to be able to go out and literally go toe-to-toe with Manchester City, with with Chelsea, with Liverpool, etc., etc., with Manchester United. We've had to be that little bit more pragmatic. And it's why Mikel Arteta has made us more competitive. But as well, in those games, I should I should caveat that before someone drops on my back. But going forward, you know, as you look to develop and as you look to improve, you need to be able to have that capability as well to to set the tempo, to take the game to opponents, to control football matches, and that's what um, that's what really needs to happen. So you need to be looking at players who can obviously make that transition. Uh, so we've talked about Nuno Tavares, and then we'll we'll refer to an article from the Athletic, uh, which was put out this morning. Uh, by James McNicholas, and that talks about Arsenal being in the market for four to five significant signings. Now, this is not new information. We knew this. Uh, we know that Arsenal are on the hunt for a number of players this summer, but the fact that it's been reported again by The Athletic just kind of adds credence to that story and adds sort of some further reliability, I would argue, to that report. Um, the players mentioned are uh, Albert Sambi Lekonga. Now, of course, according to the latest update, Arsenal and Anderlecht are slowly and very slowly edging towards an agreement. Now, Arteta's relationship with Vincent Company from his days at Manchester City, as well as with Roberto Martinez, who he's said to be good friends with, uh, have enabled him to understand the player a little bit more. They've given him some further insight, has allowed him some kind of access we're being told that an opposition manager looking to sign your player wouldn't normally be granted in terms of statistics, in terms of reports. And I think that's partly why Mikel Arteta is so keen on Albert Sambi Lekonga. Now, we do know that Arsenal are in the market for another midfielder too. Lekonga will be coming in with the view uh, to going on and developing into a regular first teamer. And, you know, you never know, a bit like Matteo Genduzzi, where we signed him as a prospect and he walked into the side straight away and did pretty well. You might see that happen with Lekonga as well, but there is no pressure from the Arsenal hierarchy for him to come in and fill that role instantly, uh, is what we're, we're being told. So uh, one for the future, for sure. But the initial bid Arsenal had made for Lokonga was around £13 million. That was rejected by Anderlecht, who are looking for something closer to £20 million. Um, 
I don't think Arsenal are going to pay 20 million. I think they will meet in the middle somewhere. But as I mentioned on a previous episode, Andelec's financial situation is very worrying at the moment. They've got a huge deficit off the back of what's happened over the last 18 months or so with the coronavirus pandemic and raising uh, anywhere between 15 and 20 million pounds for, for Andelec would be incredibly helpful in writing off some of that deficit and allowing them to get uh, back on their feet. So I do believe that Andelect will accept an offer of uh, somewhere in between 13 and 20 million pounds. I don't think Arsenal are going to go all the way and I don't think Andelect are going to risk scuppering a deal that could mean so much for them in terms of uh, securing their future uh, for the sake of a couple of million pounds. Uh, let's move on to uh, Manuel Locatelli. We've talked a lot about him in recent days and I said to you guys um, that I'm a massive fan of Manuel Locatelli. If you're a gold member or above, you can check out a piece of exclusive content with Italian football journalist Carlo Garganese, who was, you know, quite quick to say that Manuel Locatelli will probably be on the move this summer, but is more likely to join Juventus at this present stage than anybody else. And I've talked about it before. Italian players usually reluctant to make that move abroad uh, unless there is a really good offer on the table. And I talked about finances. I think Arsenal are in a position to rival Juventus from a financial standpoint at this moment in time. But are we able to do that uh, from a sporting perspective? Juventus can guarantee Manuel Locatelli that they'll be in the title race pretty much, especially with Max Allegri returning to the club. Will Arsenal be able to offer him such guarantees? Arsenal can't even guarantee him that we'll be back in the Champions League. So you can understand the appeal. Um, you can understand the appeal uh, for Locatelli when it comes to Juventus. So it's a bit of a pipe dream, the Locatelli thing. I'd love to see him come. But as I say, it is very unlikely and it looks as though he's headed to Juventus. But the Athletic do report that Arsenal did inquire about Manuel Locatelli. Doesn't look like that's progressed into anything further, but the inquiry apparently did happen. Uh, we're also being linked today with the Turkish international Mert Muldor. Um, who's been seen actually as an alternative to Tyler Adams. Now, Tyler Adams is a fullback that plays his football in Germany at the moment that Arsenal have been heavily linked with, uh, but it doesn't look like Arsenal uh, are going to follow up on that interest. Tyler Adams is expected to cost a fair amount of money, uh, whereas Mert Muldor um, could be available uh, for a decent amount of money. And what's impressive about Mordor, although Turkey didn't have a good tournament, uh, there's no getting away from that, is that he is very, very versatile. Mert Mordor actually started his career as a striker, dropped into centre-back and now plays as a right-back. Now, Arsenal, of course, are likely to be in the market for a right-back with Hector Bellerin's departure uh, likely to take place between now and the start of the new season. Mert has also shown that he can play as a left back as well, um, which is interesting because you look at Arsenal at the moment and, you know, take Bellerin out of the equation and you look at Callum Chambers and Cedric, who I don't think are top options at right back, but I think they're players you could get by with if you wanted to kind of delay fixing that position so that you could go on and, um, you know, spend bigger in other areas. But the fact that we've got Cedric and Chambers, and the fact that Mordor can play as a left-back as well, 
may tempt Mikel Arteta into going after this guy because what he would do is he would come in, he'd be a backup to Kieran Tierney. He'd also be able to play on the right. We've also got Chambers at the club. We've also got Cedric at the club. So it feels like he might fit into the picture. Um, he is currently at Sassuolo. Um, you know, he's he's got a contract there until 2024. Valued by transfer mark, and I know this is not, as I always say, it's not gospel, but around about eight million pounds. But I think Sassuolo would be tempted into selling this guy if Arsenal came up uh, with something around the ten million pounds mark. Now, you know, I think a lot of Arsenal's interest in a right back right now is probably subject to getting Hector Bellerin uh, out of the club, and and it's not been reported by the Athletic. I've got a stress wall. They weren't the first to report it anyway. Uh, but on the subject of Bellerin, Inter are said to be another club now uh, who have entered the race to sign him. There's a number of clubs, including Villarreal and Inter now, who are looking at Hector Bellerin as a potential option at right back. Now, Inter have, of course, uh, or very close to wrapping up a deal that will see Ashraf Hakimi join Paris Saint-Germain, which means they've got money to spend. Um but also, I actually think Bellerin would be quite suited to playing at Inter um, and the Italian game. I wonder, I just wonder if Bellerin would prefer uh, to join a Spanish club, given his Spanish roots, given that's home for him, um, over the Italian outfit. But of course, it's all got to work, hasn't it? You know, the club have to come in with the right amount of money. The contract has to be right for Hector Bellerin. There are so many factors that make it far more complex than Hector Bellerin being able to sit there and go, well, I'd rather go to Spain than Italy. Everything needs to fall into place, but it is expected that Hector Bellerin is going to leave the club during this transfer window. But Inter, obviously the latest name to be heavily linked. It's also alleged that Arsenal are monitoring Real Madrid left-back Miguel Gutierrez, a young player, uh, just 19 years old, I believe, made his senior debut for the club back in April and has played five times since in the first team. A player that, was linked with a move away from Real Madrid last summer, but wanted to stay and wanted to fight for his place. He was linked with loan moves away. Uh, with Real Madrid believing this guy's a talent, but not necessarily at this point, having shown him enough to suggest that he has a future there. That's why Miguel Gutierrez, after getting sort of five appearances at the back end of last season, is alleged to be sort of considering a move away. What's interesting here is that Miguel Gutierrez's agent or representatives are the same as those of Mikel Arteta, which naturally, if you are trying to broker a deal for a player and it's all in-house, makes it a little bit smoother. Um, not saying this one's definitely going to happen and it kind of contradicts the um, the Tavares story who, you know, some people are reporting Arsenal are very close to doing a deal for. But yeah, he's another player that Arsenal are allegedly looking at. So lots, lots going on. And as I say, you know, these are rumours. These are reports that have emerged over the course of the weekend and on Monday morning. And we're just bringing them all together for you uh, to try and keep them all in one place so you can try and keep up to date with it because it's such a fast-paced, moving thing uh, with uh, rumours seemingly coming out of the woodwork left, right and centre. Uh, the Athletics report this morning also touches on uh, Aaron Ramsdale. It says that contact has been made with Sheffield United over Aaron Ramsdale and that Arsenal are no longer looking at a stopgap option in the goalkeeping position. Now, Matt Ryan was brought to the club, wasn't he, back in January. Um, 
on a on a short term loan deal. Many of us felt that Arsenal were going to uh, try and do something to get that deal done and, and keep him at Arsenal uh, moving forward. It doesn't look like that's going to be the case now. And as the Athletics say. It looks like uh, Arsenal are looking for a longer-term option. Aaron Ramsdale appears to be that option or appears to be the front-runner, actually, after the interest in Andre Onana seems to have cooled over the last couple of weeks or so. Now, there was a lot of talk about Arsenal going in for the Ajax goalkeeper and that if his ban had been reduced by the Court of Arbitration for Sport, Arsenal were waiting, waiting to pounce. However, nothing further has happened with that. And Arsenal have seemingly, as I say, turned their attention to Aaron Ramsdale. Now, if you're going to go and sign Aaron Ramsdale, you're probably looking at around about £20 million pounds is, is, is what Sheffield United will probably be looking for. Some say more. I think given their relegation, £20 million pounds is, is an, an offer they would entertain. Just my opinion, though. It's not information I have. Um, but, you know, can you really afford to go and pay that sort of money for a goalkeeper who you don't see as your number one? And therefore, does that suggest that Bern Leno is closer to a move away from Arsenal than we actually think? I don't know. Um, but, you know, similarly to the way that kind of Ben White coming in would probably uh, be a bit of an ominous sign for William Saliba. I feel like the signing of a goalkeeper for that sort of money would probably be, um, you know, a sign as to what's to come with regards to Bern Leno as well. But you'll have to watch this space on that one. Uh, they also mentioned Madison and, and they say that, well, they basically suggest that Madison to Arsenal is unlikely this summer. I think we all accepted and agreed that that was going to be unlikely just purely because of what, um, because of uh, purely what, um, you know, what he's going to cost and, and the position that Leicester City find themselves in, which is not a position of desperate need for finance. You know, they're a very well-run football club at the moment. And uh, yeah, so it all feels a little bit, um, a little bit strange, uh, you know, with that one. It all felt like a little bit out of the blue. I know there's a lot of Arsenal fans that like James Madison. I like James Madison too, but I don't like James Madison for 60, 65, 70 million pounds. That's, that's my, that's my honest view on that. Um, elsewhere, uh, Arsenal have appointed Jonas Eideval as the head coach of the Arsenal women, uh, which is interesting. Um, he's got a pretty good record and Arsenal women, of course, had a bit of a difficult time lately and will be looking to, um, looking to fix that and looking to improve on that. And we're going to be bringing you some content actually next season around Arsenal women. Uh, we're going to do a proper announcement on what that will look like and how it will look, but uh, getting some wonderful people on board to be able to bring you that. Because I know the interest in, in the women's game is growing, uh, rightly so. Um, you know, admittedly, I don't watch enough of it um, or know enough about it to kind of carry a show by myself. Uh, but I am going to be actively taking more interest in it. I'm going to bring in, be bringing someone on board who is very into it, very knowledgeable about it. And we'll be bringing you a show once a week where we'll look um, at the goings on around Arsenal women. So that should be something interesting as well. Uh, right. Uh, the other bit of big news that came out kind of shortly before well, before or well, after, I should say, I planned the show uh, was uh, the news of a second bid from Aston Villa for Emil Smith Rowe. Now, if you cast your mind back to a couple of weeks ago, Aston Villa submitted a £25 million offer for Emil Smith Rowe. Arsenal rejected it quite emphatically from what we're told. 
But that's not deterred Aston Villa from coming back with a second offer. Aston Villa have now tabled an offer of £30 million, which again has been rejected by the Arsenal. Now, you know, I was talking the other day, I put a tweet out the other day, which I'm sure a lot of you saw, um, probably my most liked ever tweet ever, uh, where I said that, you know, even if you kind of disagree with with some of the transfer targets Arsenal are looking at or, or some of the kind of decisions that have been made at the sort of board level over the last sort of few years, what you can at least see now is that they are trying to build a young core, that they are trying to build a team that can last, that can retain its value whilst hopefully helping Arsenal achieve their goals. Um, and, and I talked about Ben White being a part of that. I talked about Emil Smith-Rowe, Bukayo Saka, Kieran Tierney being tied up to a new contract. Uh, we know Gabriel Martinelli, um, you know, he he signed a new deal not so long ago as well. So we know that Arsenal are trying to kind of keep this young core together and looking to build the team around them. And so to sell Emil Smith-Rowe would, would make absolutely no sense. Now, the reason, there's a couple of reasons Aston Villa are circling around Emil Smith-Rowe. Now, the first one is, and the, probably the biggest one, is that Jack Grealish is... Um, it is probably going to leave Aston Villa this summer. Based on what we've read, based on what we've heard, it looks like there there's going to be interest in Grealish and Manchester City are rumoured to want to pay or be willing to pay around about £100 million for Jack Grealish, which would be huge. So the, the first point is Aston Villa are probably having to prepare for life after Jack Grealish. You're talking about Emi Buendia coming in, who's, who probably plays a little bit more as a right-sided player. And Emil Smith-Rowe would essentially probably be that replacement for Jack Grealish as they look to sort of add further creativity to the squad. Now, fair play to Aston Villa, right? They are, um, you know, they are ambitious. They are trying to do bits in the transfer window. And we talk a lot about ownership and lack of ambition and lack of a willingness to spend from many sort of people uh, who own football clubs. Well, Aston Villa's ownership are showing no such signs. They look as though they are willing to go uh, out there, spend big money, improve the team. You know, they were tipped to have a really good season sort of halfway through last year, and they ended up finishing even below us in 11th place, which wasn't great. Um, but you can see they're, they're ready to go again. And, you know, £25 million for me was a, a ridiculous offer from Aston Villa. Um, I said at the time that I disagreed with it and I thought it was way too low, but I could understand why from their point of view, they thought that was fair. You know, we're talking about a player who's had injury problems and a player who has only really been on the scene for half a season. They've come back with a bit of £30 million and again, that's been rejected. So why do Aston Villa feel that they can unsettle Emil Smith-Rowe? Why do Aston Villa feel that they can tempt Arsenal into selling this guy with such, you know, when you think about his potential, modest bids. Now, the reason for that is because Emil Smith-Rowe and Arsenal are still locked in negotiations with regards to his new contract. Now, when I'm talking about his new contract, I'm not talking about necessarily, um, you know, the period for which it still has to run or his current deal still has to run. I'm sure Arsenal would look to extend that as part of the negotiations. But Emil Smith-Rowe still has two years on his contract. The problem is, is that Emil Smith-Rowe is on a wage that doesn't reflect right now, his role in the side. Emil Smith-Rowe is on a wage that he was on prior to breaking through into the first team and prior to becoming such an important part of Mikel Arteta's side and squad. And, you know, that's the big issue here. Aston Villa are looking at this and going, well, hold on a minute. Arsenal are not paying Emil Smith-Rowe currently 
what Emil Smith Rowe deserves. Arsenal perhaps are unwilling to do what Emil Smith Rowe and his representatives feel is is fair because the fact that these negotiations are still kind of stuck. So Aston Villa are looking at this and going, well, Arsenal need money to bring in players. We've talked about Arsenal spending, but make no mistake about it. You know, Arsenal may have borrowed money from here, there and everywhere to get some of these deals done before they have to sell, but they will sell and they're reliant on selling to make up a lot of that deficit. Um, That's the only way Arsenal are going to get by. It's the only way Arsenal are not going to do their financial situation any further damage. So Aston Villa are looking at this and and kind of thinking about the combination of Arsenal's need to, to raise money. And they're also looking at the fact that Emil Smith-Rowe right now might just be thinking, hold on a minute, you're telling me you want me to stay, yet the offer that is currently on the table is not reflective of my role and my importance to this group at the moment. And Emil Smith-Rowe's importance is even bigger at the moment, with Arsenal having yet to find a number 10 to come into the side. Because... We thought that we were going to get Martin Odegaard. We identified him as the number one target. Everybody wanted to see him come in. Everybody within the club I'm talking about. And now that is looking increasingly unlikely. So Emil Smith-Rowe's stock, as a result of Arsenal not having an alternative or not being close to signing an alternative, rises, doesn't it? And Villa are looking at that and they're thinking, we might be able to cash in here. Emil Smith-Rowe's got an incredibly high ceiling. I'm a massive fan of his. I don't want to see him go anywhere. Um, bold from Aston Villa to try and bully Arsenal into doing something that they clearly don't want to do. But it's kind of a sign of where we've we've kind of drifted to in recent years. And it's a, it's worrying, isn't it? It's, it? But, you know, as I say, Arsenal are yet to find a breakthrough with regards to the new contract with Emil Smith-Rowe. However, the feeling within the club is still confident. Uh, that they will get this deal done. So I wouldn't panic just yet, but obviously this interest from Aston Villa is kind of, how can I put it? It's kind of putting further scrutiny on the situation, adding a little bit pressure on Ars- more pressure on Arsenal's side to get this deal done. I don't think for a minute that Emil Smith-Rowe, a young Arsenal lad who's been with the club since he was 10 years old, has established himself at the highest level, would want to join Aston Villa. That's a move backwards, in my opinion. Uh, Aston Villa fans might disagree, but the Premier League table says otherwise. So, yeah, I, I, I don't see um, I don't see Emil Smith Rowe being necessarily keen. I think Arsenal would have to give him literally no choice um, and, and kind of take it out of his hands by accepting an offer for that to be uh, for that to be a thing. But yeah, that kind of rounds up uh, the latest transfer rumours. And just sorry, just finally to add on that Emil Smith Rowe point, Premier League win percentage. With Emil Smith-Rowe, 67%. Without Emil Smith-Rowe, 30%. That's stats from Albinio. Um, so, uh, yeah, interesting that. Just shows his importance, doesn't it? Right, uh, let's get a few of your questions in the live chat box. We'll go for another sort of uh, five, seven minutes or so. Uh, please do drop your questions in. Make sure you put a little cue at the beginning as well so that I don't miss those. I can see there's well over 170 of you watching us on YouTube alone at the moment. So if you haven't done so, please hit the like button. We're on 45. Love to get up to 100. There's definitely enough of you watching to do that. So it shouldn't be an issue uh, for us to hit 100 likes between now and the end of the stream. So get hitting that button. It doesn't cost you a thing. And of course, as always, subscribe to the channel if you are new as we push towards our next goal. Uh, let's uh, 
let's pick up some of these questions. Uh, this first one comes from Inter. Uh, has says, <laughs> has the Swiss statue, I'm referring to Granite Xhaka, been sold yet? Uh, not quite. Uh, no deal has been completed yet, but we know that Xhaka wants to go. We know that Arsenal are happy to let him go. We know that Roma are happy to sign him. There's just a little bit of work still to be done with regards to the transfer fee. That's my understanding of it. I know there's been some reports suggesting otherwise. I think you'll see proper movement on this one uh, once Switzerland's participation at Euro 2020 is finished. Um, Granit Xhaka made some comments the other day where he was asked about it and he said, uh, Arsenal know what I want to do. And it's quite nice here, basically talking about Rome and everybody kind of got absolutely fucking irate about it and stuff. You know, that's why we want him gone. That's why Granit Xhaka is no good for Arsenal Football Club, because he says things like that. I don't blame Granit Xhaka one bit for saying things like that. Um, when you consider how he's been treated by sections, not all sections of our fan base, but it's just funny how the same people that were kind of on their knees praying for Granit Xhaka to be sold this summer are now outraged by comments that suggest he's on his way out. I mean, talk about hypocritical. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's let's pick up a couple more. This one made me chuckle. Uh, Matt says, Harry, until yesterday, I thought Spinazzola was football slang for a really creative player and not the Italian left back. E.g. that Grealish is such a Spinazzola. <laughs> uh, John Daly says, uh, why are we, why aren't we or anyone sniffing around Nick Pope? He's going to be England's number one for years to come. I actually prefer Nick Pope to Aaron Ramsdale, incidentally, which is interesting. Um, you know, it, it is really interesting, but seems that Ramsdale's the man on the radar. Uh, Omar says, Harry, I hear that this Tavares lad is highly rated. Would he be a good signing for us? I think he would be a good signing based on what I've seen and what I know, you know, and, and admittedly, it's not a great deal. I'm not a Portuguese football expert and I wouldn't want to claim to be, but, um, yeah, it looks like a decent signing. But the, the thing is with Arsenal right now is, yes, we're talking about Arsenal having more money available this summer than, than we envisaged. We've heard about Arsenal borrowing money and that kind of allowing them to get business done prior to completing all of their sales. But the, the thing you've got to weigh up here is the pri you, you've got to work out the priority of the positions that we're looking to strengthen. And for me, midfield is more important than anything. And if spending whatever amount it's going to be on, um, on Tavares hinders us in doing business in midfield, then I think you've got to look elsewhere and at a cheaper option. That That's my opinion, because I think you've got to prioritise. And if you can get all the deals done and you can address all the positions in this one window, fantastic. But it sh you shouldn't be compromising on quality in order to get quantity in, is, is, is my view on this. Uh, let's pick up a couple more bits. Um, Pranjal says, are we now going hard on Neves given Portugal are out? I would like him here at Arsenal. I would like Neves at Arsenal as well. Um, I'm a fan of his. And I think that, you know, a lot of these deals where we as fans are kind of sitting here in the UK or, or wherever you are stressing and going, my God, why isn't it being done? Um, why isn't nothing done yet? I think we have to be realistic about the, the challenges that the European Championships pose for those players that are involved in that competition when it comes to negotiating transfers, getting deals done, getting medicals done, et cetera, et cetera. So I think once the Euros are completed, you're going to see a real acceleration in the number of, of deals that you're seeing done, not just with Arsenal, but across the market. I think there'll be stuff put in place in the meantime, but I think you will 
you won't get many announcements between now and the end of the tournament, um, especially involving players who are still involved in the tournament. Once their participation is over, that might obviously change. Uh, I'm going to pick up one more um, because I am a little bit pushed for time with with work today, but we will be back uh, tonight, either tonight or first thing in the morning, depending on um, how things go, whether we get extra times and penalties and things like that. But the initial plan is to bring you another show at around about 7 p.m. UK time live, and that will be available in podcast format from first thing on Tuesday morning. Uh, Haroon Naguna says, Harry, any news on what Balogun's role will be next season? Now, of course, following Balogun has signed a new contract at Arsenal. No news. And I think that's probably dependent on what's going to happen with Eddie Nketiah. Um, we understand that Arsenal have offered him a new deal with a view to protecting his value a little bit, uh, but that it doesn't seem as though he's going to accept that deal. Eddie and Ketty will probably rather move on and play regular football, in which case, Fuller and Balligan steps higher up the uh, the pecking order, doesn't he? Which I think is probably the right thing, given the uh, the commitment Arsenal have made uh, to keeping him at the club. Right, going to leave it there. And if I've missed your questions, I apologise, but we will be doing another stream at some point today. Um, if the Croatia-Spain game doesn't go to extra time, we'll bring you a stream at seven uh, where we'll discuss. Um, a bit more Arsenal stuff, but we'll look, be looking ahead as well to England versus Germany, which is a massive game to come uh, on Tuesday in the European Championship. So I'll be sharing my thoughts on that one, as well as discussing anything else Arsenal related that emerges uh, between now and then, as well as taking your questions in the live chat. Um, if it does go to extra time, then I'll bring you that show later tonight after the second game, uh, when I can look back on, on, on those games and basically where I don't have to miss the football. Is the long and short of it. Uh, there you go. Right. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Please don't forget, if you haven't already, to hit the like button. It really does help. And subscribe to the channel if you're new. I'll catch you all very soon with more. Until next time. Ciao. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.